1: All right, we're pleased to be joined once again by uh, Nathan King. He's been on the show before and he works for uh, the 24 7 Sports Network covering the Auburn Tigers for Auburn Undercover. And you can follow him at Nathan King 24 7 Sports. And you got to listen to his podcast, the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Nathan, I really appreciate you hopping on the line.
0: Yeah, of course. How are y'all doing?
1: Hey, we're doing good. But uh, before we get even into the football stuff, I mean, I, I even hate that I've got to bring this uh, this up. But uh, are you in the COVID protocol like everybody else down there on the plains?
0: I fortunately, very fortunate. I am not. Um, <laughs> I actually went home. Uh, let's see. I went and saw my my wife's family. Her mom is immunocompromised. you know, So she's having to be real. Definitely, you know, super safe. Um, and we did all the testing, all the necessary stuff. We basically quarantined for the past couple of weeks, and we got to stay with them at their house for a few days for the first time in like a year and a half. So that was that was really fun and definitely something uh, super special that my my wife really appreciated and, and enjoyed a lot. So no, I'm we're doing really good. We're doing we're all safe and healthy. Hope uh, hope y'all can say the same.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's great to hear. But uh, can you give us information because? Obviously, Brian harson he's come out and he's uh, in the COVID protocol. And Derek Mason has come out and said, uh, even though he's been vaccinated, he got it. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want you to reveal any players or anything like that. But uh, based on your reporting, I mean, do you have an idea how many staff members and, and players and all that this uh, has affected? I
0: gathered. So basically this most of this stemmed from testing last Thursday, so as we're recording this on Wednesday evening, um, so about a week ago, uh, some players, yeah, I would, several players, I would say, a a good handful, Um, not any specific chunk of any one position group, so I guess that's that's positive for Auburn, and then a couple coaches in addition to, you know, obviously Brian Harson was uh, you know, the notable one. And then it comes out later that, well, we, well, we, we kind of knew at the time, we reported at the time, Derek Mason. But then he ends up coming back and saying, hey, he got it a little bit before Harson um, He actually was back at, at, in the building. He was back at practice today on Wednesday. So, no, we spoke to Brian Harson today from inside his house. He Zoomed us from um, his house. And uh, definitely one of the more insightful times we've talked to him. He definitely felt like he had to make a point about this COVID stuff. Um, a lot of people thinking that he is not necessarily – Taking it very seriously, I know a lot of people have just been um, speculating that and coming out and saying that, and that's kind of become the narrative. But he made sure to to kind of uh, knock that out of the way and say that's certainly not the narrative. He he went on to explain everything that Auburn is doing um, to not only fight this virus and, and uh, you know get players vaccinated and do all the good stuff you got to do, but also um, educate and and promote. I mean, even the university president was in there yesterday um, promoting the benefits of the vaccine. So they've been doing that a lot. Um, but yes, yeah, so and now. Brian Harson said he'll be back on Monday, again, recording this on Wednesday, so he'll be back on Monday uh, just in time to start game week in preparation for the season opener. Um, And he said based on all the other players that are in protocol, um, they should be in pretty good shape based on the timeline. I I think they're expecting to have a full roster um, for that season opener given there are no other uh, outbreaks on the team.
1: So was that uh, your main takeaway from uh, Wednesday's press availability with uh, Coach Harson? was just – you know, the, you know, his stance on the vaccines and whatnot, because I got to be honest with you, I've I've sat through all his press conferences and uh, you know, they're not, uh, they're not the most engaging and entertaining, but uh, this seemed to be a little bit more personable of a, of a Auburn head coach to me. What were your thoughts on that?
0: I think, yeah, I think that's the right word. Um, you could just kind of tell that he had that initiative and, and definitely wanted to get something off his chest. He's reading off a of note cards. Um So, you know, this was something that was really important to him and um You know, kind of what I gathered is that I don't know if he he took offense. I don't know if that's the right word, but um, I think he was a little – I think he was bothered um, by the fact that this had been a narrative that had started about him. Um, I think, you know, whether or not he is vaccinated, again, that is something that has come up a bunch. He has still not answered and said that he is. So, obviously, that has led everybody to believe that he is not vaccinated. But I think the point he wanted to get across was, look, even if, you know, I'm I'm me and you do you, um, but, you know, we have been promoting like crazy the benefits of the vaccine. And this is the first time, really, that he went out and spoke at length about the benefits and about how much promoting they've done, because I think he kind of rubbed people the wrong way at SEC Media Days when he was talking about, um, you know, the fact that he wasn't pushing it too hard because it was a personal decision. Um, he also said they talked about the pros and cons. I know him saying cons kind of – People didn't really, you know, understand that very much, and so he's really done a heel turn here, and it's definitely trying to to make people aware of how seriously he's taking this right now, even if he himself has not taken the vaccine.
1: So, uh, switching gears to more uh, entertaining stuff to talk about here, but uh, Bo Nix and T.J. Finley, how's that shaping up? And uh, you know, I listen to the Auburn Undercover podcast, so I know uh, what you've already reported on it. But uh, can you share uh, how's the quarterback competition down there on the plains?
0: Yeah, it's boy, it's, it's as deep a room as they've had in a long time. Um, and, and there's nothing that shows the importance of that more than what happened in the past week. You know, obviously Bo Nix was not one of those guys, and T.J. Finley not one of those guys that, um, that was out because of COVID. But, I mean, it, it could happen. Your quarterback isn't immune. Your starting quarterback isn't immune to that. So you really just never know what's going to happen this season. And the fact that Auburn now believes that it has pretty quality depth at not only the backup position with T.J. Finley – Um, But the third stringer, Demetrius Davis, he's a four-star freshman out of Houston. Um, He's the winningest quarterback in high school football history in Texas, um, surpassing Ebert. Even Kyler Murray, he's done a lot of good stuff this preseason. He has been a guy who was there for the spring, really kind of developed there, started to learn the playbook. And he's really turned some heads in scrimmage settings and making things happen outside the pocket. But I just kind of wanted to give him his due real quick before saying that it is, Nix and Finley, the one of the two right now, Um, they are far and away. Um, Obviously, you have the most advantages right now. Harson did say that, you know, if if we were to play a game tomorrow, that Bo Nix would be the starter. That should not be a surprise to anybody that's been paying attention to anything. I think T.J. Finley has been really helpful. He's been really beneficial for this room. I think he's exactly what Bo Nix needed, a guy that is not just going to come. They they didn't need somebody who was going to come in and try to take his job like Obviously, Finley's trying to take us out, but they didn't need somebody to come in and replace him and be that guy that's head and shoulders, you know, you know, right next to him. They needed a guy like Finley who's going to nip at his heels, provide that pressure, and force Bo to be the best version of himself every day in practice because something that not only Nix has said to us, but also all of his teammates, is that he's the best when he's a competitor. Um, and I think that showed in 2019 when he beat out Joey Gatewood and it kind of has some magical – moments that season there's that pressure going on that you you don't want to lose that starting job nix is definitely feeling that right now and um seems like all signs are pointing to him having a pretty good fall camp finley's coming along well but i I really just don't foresee a situation where finley is um really too dangerous to that starting quarterback job maybe let's talk again you know week seven or week eight if things start to crumble down but for right now for the way things are going bo has the good control of this offense and, and he'll be the starter for the foreseeable
1: future. Now, we all know Tank Bigsby, one of the best, uh, not only running backs, but maybe overall players in the SEC, just voted to uh, the coaches all-SEC first team. And Sean Shivers, we know what we're getting in him. He's a very solid player. But uh, any concerns with uh, the running back group behind them? I mean, who's Auburn's third guy there? Because you got to think in a, in a Mike Bobo system, they're going to lean heavily on the ground game.
0: Sure. Yeah, there, there can be some concerns. Um, I think the concerns would be on a numbers basis. So I I think the magic number for a running back rotation is probably five, even if you don't use that fifth guy very much, or maybe you don't even use that fourth guy very much, but you need to have five running backs that you can rely on. Right now Auburn's only got four scholarship running backs. Um, The the two guys behind, like you said, Bigsby and Shivers, we know what we're getting with that one-two punch. You've got Jordan Ingram, who is a second-year player. He's at Central Michigan last season. He did not play. But he's an in-state kid from Alabama, from Mobile, um, that wanted to go to Auburn that first time around. Ended up not working out that way. Now he's able to transfer in. He's kind of that taller. He's like six foot one, a little more slender. Um, he'll look like a carry-on Johnson when he's out there. He's got that kind of a build. He's a very smooth, patient runner. Good catching the ball out of the backfield. And then you've got a true freshman in Jarquez Hunter. Which, I mean, there are many people within the program that don't think that he is the diamond in the rough of this recruiting class. Only a three-star prospect. He's the number one player in Mississippi in terms of an offensive perspective. Um, and then he's also the, the leading rusher in Mississippi last season and just a really, really productive player at the high school level. He's kind of that short stocky kind of reminds you of a, of a Trey Mason, the way that he, he's able to just kind of punch his way through the line of scrimmage and find an area to burst through. So you've got your two different types of backs there right now. What we've seen in fall camp is that they're going to kind of split that number three job. So I would expect maybe both of those guys to get anywhere from three, four, you know, to, to seven carries a game, that kind of thing, um, just because their skill sets are so different. But you're exactly right. I mean, there, there could be some concerns um, just because my thing is, what ha- what, what if something happens to think Bigsby? We saw him have some injuries last season, and now you're asking two first-year players within your program, two first-year players overall, actually, um, to come in and have a big impact on your offense when, like you said, Mike Bobo likes to run the ball a lot, so we'll see how that goes. They've had some good walk-on production so far, but uh, that's certainly not something you want to rely on either.
1: Well, speaking of uh, question marks, I, you know, it's been a question mark seemingly for a number of years there on the plains. But uh, what about the offensive line with uh, Will Friend, first-year offensive line coach, running Bobo's system there? Uh, how settled is that group? With uh, you know, we're we're basically a week out from from game day.
0: Um, not. <laughs> not settled. Uh, they, they kind of – they wanted this thing done a little faster. There have been – so I guess I should have, like, prefaced early on. I, I haven't, like, really done, like, many other radio stuff or, or podcast stuff since fall camp started. Mm-hmm. But we've got – and I don't know how much of this even applies. But the, the coaches are asking us – obviously they can't force us to do anything, but um, asking us not to disclose, like, injury information from mm-hmm. practice stuff like that, yada, yada. Um, I just don't want my access fault, so I'm just you know, going to go along with it, whatever. But I will just say that the offensive line has had guys miss a good bit of practice this preseason. And so all, when you thought you kind of you knew what you had, um, things were kind of thrown – a wrench was kind of thrown into things, and now they had to try a lot of different lineups. Luckily, you know, they had eight guys from last season who have starting experience. Because of the injuries, they got some extra starting experience in there. My best guess right now – and Brian Arson actually gave us a two-deep on the offensive line today, um, which was pretty nice. Maybe he felt bad for you know, not being able to talk to us after the scrimmage. But my best guess right now, you've got Austin Troxel. I think he's going to take that left tackle spot. Brandon Council, who got injured last season. He was their best offensive lineman. He's playing right guard. I believe he's, it looks like he's going to actually nail down that left guard spot. Nick Broms, first-team all-SEC, we know what you got, you got with him. He's going to be the center. At right guard, Keandre Jones, who came in for counsel after he got hurt, I think he's going to be that guy at right guard. And then right tackle is a battle between Broderius Ham, who made the coaches' All SEC team on the third team, um, and then a guy named Brendan Coffey, who's a JUCO player um, has developed pretty well in the past year. So we'll see what happens between those. But no, it's not locked down, and I thought they—I think they wanted it to be—and um, seems like it might be a couple weeks before it is. But the good good news for Auburn, um, my coworker Mark Murphy called it a couple exhibition games they've got coming up. They play. Uh, Akron and, and Alabama State no offense to those programs but I think Auburn that, that's a pretty helpful situation before that Penn State game to maybe try to figure things out on the O-line
1: and how's the uh, secondary coming along under Derek Mason I, I know there's a lot of talent there and they've had some transfers uh, one of in particular Donovan Kaufman's already familiar with the uh, coach Mason system but uh, how are those pieces fitting together do you, do you think that'll be a strength of this Auburn team
0: I think it's the best. Uh, I think it's the best unit on the roster. I think um, linebacker is probably not far behind it. Um, what we saw with Chandler Wooten today was named a captain. I think their their three linebackers are really really good. But yeah, that secondary it's just loaded and it got even better this fall. Like you talked about with those transfers, they brought in three transfers in the secondary, all of which are making a really big impact in fall camp. Donovan Kaufman, Harson said today he's their starting nickel. So came right in, like you said, was comfortable with Mason system, and it's is slotted right in there at the nickel spot. Um, by Darius Knighton has been the starting safety alongside Smoke Monday for most of fall camp. That's still not set in stone. There's some competition going on there, but looks like he'll be the guy. Knighton came from southeast Missouri State where he was an FCS All-American. And then a guy who was added late in the process named Rotorius Torrance. Um, he was a, a, a JUCO player of the year at the JUCO level, a six foot three corner. You don't see that very often. I think he was kind of forgotten about in the steep cornerbacks rotation. People, you know, thinking about what the lineup is going to look like. I don't think his name was brought up super often, but he is going to be in the starting mix right now. He has been actually one of their best playmakers all throughout fall camp. He had a hundred-yard pick six um, in their second scrimmage, and in the scrimmage before that he had a deflection on the goal line, uh, batted down a pass on the goal line on uh, fourth and goal. And so he's been a guy who's been all over the place, making really good plays for that defense, but that's, you know, Contrary to your previous question about the offensive line, the secondary is in a great spot um, that they they know what they've got right now. Guys are versatile enough to play multiple positions. We know Derek Mason is a phenomenal defensive coach, and yeah, they're certainly going to lean on that group at the start of the year, 100%.
1: All right, last question for you, Nathan. I really appreciate all the time you've given me, but uh, we all anticipate Auburn's going to be 2-0 and to start the season. I mean, they got they start with two cupcake teams. Uh, it would be, be stunning if they're not 2-0. O. How big is this Penn State game for, I mean, so many things, the season and people buying into Brian Harsin. Uh, it's already announced it's going to be a wide-out game. Uh, I've got to assume that Penn State's going to be a big favorite in that game. But, uh, you know, how much momentum can be captured if Auburn goes up there and goes on the road and beats Penn State?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's, it's one of those games where a loss isn't the end of the world. I mean, it's week three, you know, you're starting out a new system on both offense and defense. And that, like you said, that's going to be a hostile road environment where Penn State's trying to bounce back and they'll be a big favorite. You know, nobody is going to fault you that much for losing that game. But on the flip side, you're exactly right. If you pull off that upset, that is going to be a huge amount of momentum pushing forward, especially because you look at what Auburn's got after that. The first two SEC games for Brian Harson, welcome to the SEC at LSU and at home against Georgia. So those aren't necessarily going to be easy wins. You know, both of those might be, might be tougher than the Penn State matchup. And mm-hmm. so if you can gather some momentum, maybe catapult yourself into the, you know, not that polls matter that much, but, you know, put yourself in the top 15, have your offense feeling good. You go and grab a road victory where we know Bo Nix hasn't been super consistent on the road in his career, and then you come and you play LSU in Georgia to start the SEC, you're 4-0 when going into those games you're talking about maybe a completely different mindset for this team as opposed to if you dropped that Penn state game. So maybe, maybe not completely different. I don't know if that's necessarily fair because I do think this team, you know, it's going to take its lumps. It's got a really difficult schedule. I think they can be, if they end up seven and five, which is probably what I think they're going to land at, they'll probably be one of the better seven and five teams in the country. They just got a really difficult schedule. Um, But no, you're exactly right. That Penn state game, a loss is not a killer nobody's going to you know nobody's going to to turn up their nose too much at that one that on a national level and say oh Brian Harson's not getting it done but if you get a victory in a big setting like that you know primetime abc game whiteout, out everyone's watching and they say oh looks like looks like Auburn's got it together with Brian Harson you know, maybe the offense is clicking and it's it's looking a lot different than it did under Gus Malzahn um, that's gonna be a really big benefit for the program. So yeah, definitely definitely looking forward to that one in week three.
1: All right, he's Nathan King. gotta give him a follow at nathan king twenty four seven sports of t- auburn twenty four seven undercover. I really appreciate you, Nathan.
0: Yeah, of course, I appreciate you. talk to you soon.